Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome to the Pulse of St. Louis. I'm Shirley Washington. You know, a new study about hair treatments and breast cancer shows women who use chemical straighteners and permanent hair dyes are at risk of getting the disease. The results were recently published in the International Journal of Cancer, and black women appear to be at greater risk than any other group. Joining me now, Dr. Katherine Clifton, a medical oncologist specializing in breast cancer, and Dr. Adetunji Toriola, an epidemiologist and public health expert. They are both Washington University experts at the Siteman Cancer Center. Thank you both so much for being here. Let's start the conversation with your reaction. What was your reaction when you first learned about the study? Let's start with you first. Oh, sure. So, you know, it's it's definitely a very interesting study. Um, and some of the numbers at first appear concerning, and it's been all over the news. Um, I've definitely had patients in the past ask about concerns for dyeing their hair. And so this is just another study that kind of adds to more of our knowledge. What concerns you about the study? So I think if we kind of just start start from the top about, talk a little, a little bit more about this study. So it was a large number of patients. It was about over 47,000 patients um, that were followed for eight years. I think an important thing to talk about is that everyone in the study did have a sister who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Good point. Dr. Toriola, your, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think this is a very important study because we do need to know what causes breast cancer so that we can pre prevent as quickly as possible. And there's an increase in risk or risk of breast cancer, especially among African-American women. So some of these new studies help us to understand what's causing and what's driving this increased breast cancer risk. The sister study is a very large study, as Dr. Clifton has said. There are over 50,000 women involved. And there was, the study was started in 2003. And since then, um, 2,780 breast cancer cases have been diagnosed in these women. Um, the women, to be eligible to be a part of the study, the participants have to have a sister with a family uh, with a breast cancer history. So, but the participants themselves do not have to have breast cancer. But did the study present a link between the hair treatments, the dyes, and breast cancer? That's a very good question. So, the authors found out that. Um, Permanent dye, hair dye use increases the risk of breast cancer in African-American women by 45%. In white women, the increased risk is 7%. So the increased risk is much more in African-American women. This is a prospective cohort study. So the women were followed up over time. So yes, there is an association, but the association is not a causation because of the type of study that it is. We can only infer causation if it's a clinical trial. Well, this is a very robust study. It's a prospective cohort study, and it provides us with an inkling that there's an association between um, air dye use, permanent air dye, not, um, not semi-permanent, not um, occasional use, and air straighteners and breast cancer risk. And like I said, it's important to emphasize that the increased risk is for any use, irrespective of how long the women have been using it, and it's much more prominent in African-American women. 
And why is that? Why are African-American women greatly impacted compared to their counterparts? That's another great question. Studies have shown that the um, hair treatment products that are marketed to African-American women contain more endocrine disruptors. And these endocrine disruptors have been known to increase the risk of breast cancer. This, end, um, this hair dyes also contain um, formaldehyde and aromatic amines, which have been shown to increase the risk of breast cancer in animal models. So if you have um, the products that are marketed to African-American women containing more of this product, then obviously their risk will be higher. Okay, Dr. Clifton, bring us up to date. What is the latest research showing about breast cancer and what causes it? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, so we know that a small amount of patients do have probably a familial cause for their breast cancer. And then there are a wide variety of other probably environmental causes as well. So in those cases, it's really difficult to pinpoint one thing. It's probably a multitude of things that are resulting in cancer. And then what about treatment? So there's lots of exciting updates and treatments. Um, we have many clinical trials currently at Siteman that are open and enrolling patients. Um, one is a vaccine trial that's looking at revving up patients' immune system to help fight the cancer. And then how important are mammograms and early detection? Mm -hmm. Mammograms are extremely important and we definitely want to emphasize patients um, going, getting their mammograms. This study is very interesting and it points at a possible association of hair dye and breast cancer, but there's many other factors, other modifiable risk factors like stopping smoking, stopping excessive alcohol use, maintaining a healthy weight that we have more robust evidence for. And I um, basically uh, encourage patients to really focus on those as well. We were talking about mammograms. Mm -hmm. Self-breast exams are also important, correct? Um, they are. There's there's less evidence for self-breast exams, but I think you know definitely trying to adhere to to mammograms uh, is very important. Dr. Toriola, let's go back to the study. Should women change their behavior? Should they stop getting permanent hair colors and using chemicals to straighten their hair? Thanks. I think that's a very important question. I like to emphasize that not one single factor would increase a woman's risk of breast cancer. Um, a woman's risk of getting breast cancer is multifactorial. So yes, there was an association, but I think we need more studies to establish that there is really a causative association. But in the interim, since we don't know all the agents that cause breast cancer, I think we need to hear on the side of caution. So for women who may be at an increased risk of breast cancer, for instance, women who have a positive family history of breast cancer, they may want to consider reducing their risk by avoiding this chemical, since these chemicals are known to contain carcinogenic substances. But it's important to also emphasize that we need more studies to confirm that these agents are associated with breast cancer. But in the interim, it's prudent and wise to limit exposure to any chemical that could potentially increase a woman's risk. So I'll suggest that yes, if a woman is worried, if a woman has a family history of breast cancer, they may want to limit their use of this product. So tell me about the validity of this study because it was widespread. Is it really a valid study? Because this is not the first time we've heard this. Yes, it's a very robust and valid study. Like I said, it's a type of study that we call a prospective cohort study. Other studies and um, case control studies have also looked at these questions and they've also found very similar answers. O others have not, but because it's a prospective study, the, woman, the women provided information on hair dye use before they developed breast cancer. As a result of this, the possibility of what we call recall bias is very, very low in this, in this women. So yes, it's very valid. It's a robust study. The analysis were done correctly, but 
because it's an observational study as well, there are other factors which, you which we call confounders that the authors may not have fully controlled for. We can only control for all this in a randomized clinical trial, but it's impossible to subject women to a clinical trial of harm. So we can only rely on such this kind of studies to determine whether there's an association. So yes, the findings are robust. The study is valid, but it will need more court, prospective court studies to really establish whether there's an association. Yeah. Dr. Clifton, tell me, what do you see? Are you seeing more women who are being diagnosed with breast cancer or no? You know, so who use hair dyes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's there's really a multitude of, of factors. Some patients will bring up their use of hair dyes um, as a possible cause, but because this was not a cause and effect study, it's really impossible to pinpoint their use of hair dyes as what caused their cancer. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing um, breast cancer appearing in women at a much younger age than we had previously. I mean, sometimes you're, we're seeing teenagers who are diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes, uh, you know, un unfortunately there are patients uh, who are younger that are being diagnosed as well. Um, so for those patients, definitely if they notice anything abnormal, we really encourage them to seek care um, with their, either their primary care provider or their OB-GYN physician and let them know that they've felt a breast mass and further workup is needed. Dr. Toriola, give me a sense of your background. Do you conduct these kinds of studies? Yes, we do. I am, I'm a cancer epidemiologist and I do um, different kind of studies, prospective court studies, case control studies, and clinical trials. Currently, we have an ongoing clinical trial to see if we can use an agent to prevent, um, to reduce mammographic breast density and potentially future risk of breast cancer in premenopausal women who have dense breasts. So what have you discovered so far through your research? Great question. We've discovered quite a few things. We've discovered that there is a particular pathway within the body called the receptor activator of nuclear factor pathway that increases mammographic density. And we know that women who have increased mammographic density have a fourfold increased risk of breast cancer. So we found out that if rank pathway is increased in a woman's breast, then they do have an increased mammographic density. Our study has also shown that if women, if women have increased rank ligand signaling within their blood, they have increased mammographic density. So as a result of that, we have an ongoing clinical trial now funded by the National Cancer Institute to see whether if you target rank ligand signaling, you can reduce mammographic density and potentially reduce a woman's risk of developing breast cancer in future. Give us a sense of how these studies are conducted. What happens? Give us, walk us through the process. Okay, let me go to the sister studies. That's, it's a very interesting study. So what happens is at the beginning of the study, the researchers sent out information and um, flyers to women who have sisters who have, um, who have developed breast cancer. So at the beginning of the study, women respond whether they want to be a part of the study or not and then the researchers collect tons of data from these women. And it's from this data that they collect information on things like lifestyle factors, anthropometric measures, and part of the lifestyle factors they collected was use of hair dyes within the past 12 months. So the um, respondents responded to questions on how often they use the hair dye, whether it's monthly, um, once, or once or twice a month, less than once a year, more than two times a year, and the researchers then follow these women over time to see which one of them develops breast cancer over time or not. Annually, researchers also collect information on whether the exposure history changes and whether they also collect updated survey information on 
things like their weight, whether their weight changes, whether their diet changes, because these are all the things that will be related to increased risk of breast cancer in future. So these are very extensive studies. They require a lot of manpower and they require a lot of teamwork to make it happen. Are there various foods that we can eat, Dr. Clifton? I, I'm going to ask you this mm -hmm. question as well. That can help prevent breast cancer. Is there anything you can do to prevent breast cancer? So things that we know, stopping smoking, limiting excessive alcohol, maintaining a healthy weight. Unfortunately, there's no one magic pill or magic diet that we know of to prevent breast cancer, but a sensible diet. So rich in fruits and vegetables, low in saturated processed foods um, is always recommended. So what is the best advice for women, and especially women who are listening to this program? Of course, we know men also yes, get breast we cancer. Yes. But we're talking about women mm -hmm. because of this study. What's the best advice at this point? So I would say you know, focus on the modifiable risk factors that we had just mentioned. If there, you are concerned about hair dyes um, and you do have a, other things that increase your risk, like a strong family history of breast cancer, um, it's definitely something to think about, limiting the use of, I think, important to point out that it was permanent hair dyes that were linked to this association between increased risk of breast cancer. They didn't find the link with a temporary hair dye, so that might be another solution for patients who are really concerned. Well, I thank you both so much for being here. I appreciate your insight and your valuable information. When we come back, we're going to introduce you to two local entrepreneurs who are making a big impact in the community. Stay with us. We are back in a moment. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for The Pulse of St. Louis. Welcome back to The Pulse of St. Louis. You know, two local entrepreneurs are finding major success in the fast food industry. And they are also making a huge difference in the community by giving back. Joining me now, Nolan Ruiz. He is the owner of several McDonald's franchises. And Jimmy Williams, Jr., president and CEO of Estelle Foods Incorporated. Thank you both so much for being here. I appreciate it. Let's talk about your journeys, your respective journeys. How you went from having an idea of becoming an entrepreneur to finding the success that you are experiencing right now. Nolan, let's start with you, and then Jimmy, you follow up, please. Well, really for me, it, uh, it started out with um, loving parents. So um, my, my father, I grew up the son of a school teacher and a carpenter. Um, my mother uh, stayed home and uh, watched after the eight of us, um, and uh, they taught us three things. First one was the importance of believing in people. Second was the importance of hard work and that notion that hard work does pay off. And then lastly, the importance of having an attitude of generosity. So in a nutshell, that's what I took with me all the way through life. My father got involved with McDonald's when I was 14 years old in California. Um, I started working behind the counter then. For a while I left. Um, I was a prosecutor for about four years for the county of Sacramento. A winning prosecutor, as I understand, never lost a case. You know, I was, I was blessed to do uh, pretty well, thank you. <laughs> Um, in any case, had an opportunity to rejoin the family business and did so in 2010. In 2015, I had an opportunity to go out on my own and did so. Uh, that brought me to St. Louis. Um, in the span of three and a half years, grew from one store to 19 stores. And it's, it's, I, I've just been um, uh, blessed with opportunity after opportunity. Um, I, I used 
um, the, the values that I talked about that my parents taught me um, in everything that I did. Um, the people that, that uh, work with me are the key to my success and that and saying yes to opportunity is kind of a rule of mine. So that's uh, that's it that's in a nutshell. It. In a nutshell. <laughs> yes, that's it. All right, Jimmy, let's hear your story. I know you are from East St. Louis, Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And my story is not dissimilar to Nolan's. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to look too far away from the kitchen table to know who my mentor, my sponsor, my broker was. My mother and my father. My father, the first African-American mayor of East St. Louis. My mother, a school teacher for 45 years, District 189, East St. Louis. But you know, um, there was something else. Uh, in my neighborhood, I had Miss Tarvin. I had Miss Flay Collins. I had my uncle, James Croom, who was uh, um, a school teacher and a principal. I had Reverend Alexander, uh, Reverend Crockett, um, Mr. Chris, Roy Mosley and Robert Mosley um, Sr. I also had Marion Officer. And so we had a village that helped um, define me in a way. Um, and at one point, at 16 years of age, uh, my father um, took me to McDonald's. I wanted a job. And I worked for this magnanimous guy, Dr. Ben Davis, who made a huge impact on my life. Um, from that, through high school, through college, I became a Navy pilot. I uh, flew helicopters for eight and a half years for the Navy. Had the time of my life visiting 27 different countries. And a group of businessmen from St. Louis came to visit. Uh, Ralph Cordy, Pete Nicolason, Sam Temperato, and Jill Robinson, who was a police officer, by the way. And um, I told them I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be, business, I wanted to be a business guy. And so we wrote a letter to the CEO of McDonald's. And the short of it is, that's how I received my first restaurant in Granite City, Illinois. Uh, really? So I'm very blessed with the people that I met. Mm -hmm. And I think what Nolan said, that's the reason why we give back so much. And I know we're going to talk about Ronald McDonald House. So I hope we do. Absolutely. Are, are, are some of the you know, nonprofits that we support here in the St. Louis area, some of the mentorship that we do here in the St. Louis area. There's a reason why we do it, because so much has been given to us. Right. And so tell me about exactly what you're doing in the community. You mentioned the Ronald McDonald House, which we are all familiar with, which does a great job in the community. Absolutely. Um, what defines most of the, all the operators is the fact that we have a strong alliance with Ronald McDonald House. In its infancy, we were there in the beginning. And certainly it's a home away from home um, for so many um, families with children that are ill. And God, Nolan, 340, 350 houses around the country. Nolan now serves on the board. Um, Nolan, you want to add anything to that? No, you know, uh, we have one of the best boards in the United States, and the work that we do here is absolutely incredible. Uh, I can't tell you how, um, how much it uh, is near and dear to my heart. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, help keep families um, close to their kids um, when, uh, you know, the, uh, they're, they're undergoing um, uh, procedures or, or operations at the local hospitals here. They do absolutely incredible work. Tell me about your mentoring programs. How do you help young people in the community? Because you both said something that I think is very important, that you both grew up in two-parent households. So you had your parents who were there motivating, inspiring, and really encouraging you to be the best that you can be. As you very well know, there are some children who don't have parents or have single parents or have no one really who's there to be mentors for them, to help guide them. Tell me about your programs and the work that you're doing to help young people be successful. So, so trying to um, instill that notion of family wherever you can is um, of, of the utmost importance because that's, that's really what, um, um, you know, no one gets anywhere alone, you know. 
Um, as Jimmy said, it takes, it takes a village or, or, or a family. Um, so that's why McDonald's was such an easy thing for, for myself and I'm sure for Jimmy because that's what it's all about. Um, Ronald McDonald House is one side of it. Um, another area that, that we really um, uh, help a lot is through Archways to Opportunity. Um, so any crew person or manager um, after they've been employed with McDonald's for over 90 days uh, will pay or reimburse for the, their tuition uh, $2,500 each year. If you're a manager, $3,000. Um, over the course of four years, you can um, uh, get reimbursed for $10,000 to $12,000. Absolutely incredible. Beyond that, the, these benefits extend to the family of our crew. Um, so uh, uh, high school diploma, you know, there's a, I, I can't tell you how many people didn't have the opportunity or uh, wish they could go back and get their high school diploma. Well, um, if you're the family of uh, um, an employee with McDonald's, you can go back and get that free of charge. Um, we also have the uh, benefit of um, uh, counselors, so financial aid counselors to help them map out their path. Uh, it's incredible what we do, and that's, that's beyond and outside of uh, the day-to-day -day mentoring that Jimmy and I um, do in the stores with our people. People Jimmy, are everything. Jimmy, tell me a little bit about that because you are around people. You are actually in your stores. It's not like you're in the ivory tower looking down. You're Absolutely. out there working. And that's what's special about being a McDonald's franchisee. Most people think of McDonald's as this big, huge corporation, and it is. Which it is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, the stores are owned by um, people like Nolan and I. Um, we own 97% of the franchises around, 97% uh, of the restaurants around the country, and very excited about that. And what does that mean? Well, it means that we're extremely involved in our communities. That's our raison d'etre. Um, yes, we're there to serve great food, but we're also there to be um, the employer of choice. And what that means is we have to give back. And we want to give back, by the way, because that's, you know, our roots were there. And so I have a program called the James E. William Mentorship Program, and in the summer, uh, we mentor young people, and we train them not just in the hard skills, but also the soft skills, right? Customer service and how important that is, hospitality, attention to detail. Um, those things are very important, and we try our best uh, to instill those traits, and it helps them in their next job or their next career, et cetera. And that's what, exactly what I was going to say. Those are our lifelong skills that you take Absolutely. With you everywhere you go, and it doesn't matter what you're doing you can rely on those skills. Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about showing up on time, I tell young people all the time, if you're supposed to be at work at 8 o'clock, that doesn't mean show up at 8. Be there by 7.45, 7.30 if you want to. Yes. But be, that's what being on time means. And actually having working relationships with your coworkers, with your superiors, knowing how to really carry yourself in the workspace is really important. So do you talk about those kinds of things too, Nolan? Oh, absolutely. Um, those, I suppose you could call them old-fashioned ideals or notions of, of what it means to uh, 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 work hard and um, be prepared for those opportunities that are going to present themselves to, uh, to everybody, you know, um, preparing them for that. I mean, it starts um, day one with orientation. Um, Hold that thought, Nolan. i got to take a break. Don't mean to cut you off, but i got to sure. take a commercial break. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We are back in a moment.
Welcome back. We are talking with two incredible entrepreneurs in the St. Louis area, Nolan Ruiz and Jimmy Williams. And we want to talk about the, is it Ronald McDonald Roundup? Yes, Ronald McDonald House Charities Roundup. Okay, so what is that? So now with um, uh, recent um, improvements in technology, you're able to round up anytime you make a purchase at a McDonald's uh, to the next nice. nearest dollar, and that um, difference will go directly to the Ronald McDonald House charities here. And that's incredible, Jimmy. An awesome way for everyone to contribute to Ronald McDonald House, which is yeah. an awesome charity. And especially this time of year, I mean, it's the holiday season, but of course, I tell people all the time, people need help every day, not just during the holiday season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are you guys looking forward to most about the holiday season, Jimmy? It's family. Family number one, family number two, and family number three. But by the way, with us, it includes our employees. Yes, yes. How important is that, Nolan? Oh, paramount. Everyone knows paramount. business is really about the employees. Right. It's about it's about people. Yeah. And so, what do you, how do you guys reward your employees, or do you have reward programs if you have employee of the month or anything like that? Sure. Yeah, we have. Uh, you know, uh, operators throughout the co-op have all sorts of individualized. Um, uh, reward and uh, programs, uh, benefit programs, um, uh, as including Jimmy and, and I. Yeah, that's and that's awesome. important, especially Absolutely. this time of year. Yes. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Thank I appreciate you, so much. you. And thank, thank you. you for joining us for the Pulse of St. Louis. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, download the Pulse of St. Louis podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. And remember, for news 24/7, download the free Fox 2 and News 11 apps. I will see you next time.